0: Welcome to the Healthy Charleston podcast, where we help you take ownership of your health and fitness. My name is Hannah, and I am here to be your source of accurate health and fitness information while spreading awareness about all of the different health and fitness resources available to you in the Charleston area. Be sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Happy 2023, everyone. If you're listening to this, we are officially in the new year. And to start us off on today's podcast, we are talking with Rachel Riley, who is a doctor of physical therapy with Made to Move. And on this podcast, we want to help you learn how to make progress in the gym by setting expectations, setting goals, and realistic action steps while decreasing your risk of injury or setbacks. Because there's nothing more frustrating than being super motivated and going to the gym and wanting to change all these things. And then boom, you hit a wall, you run into an injury or aches and pains or a setback. And so if you're hoping to improve your health or focus on your health in 2023, this is for you. We're also talking about a principle called progressive loading versus progressive overload. You may have heard of this, but progressive overload suggests that the weight must get heavier or the task must get harder for you to get better. And that ultimately leads people to hit a wall, fly too close to the sun, get injured or experience frustration, aches, or pains, because in reality, that's not how the body works. The increase in the stimulus itself is not what makes us stronger or better. It is the fact that we have adapted to a stimulus and then we are able to increase the load. And I think this will help a lot of people that feel like they're maybe constantly getting injured or they just can't make progress. Maybe they feel like they're broken because they just can't make progress in the gym. So as strength or capability increases, then load can increase because now we've adapted and we're prepared and we're gonna dive into what that means. Before we start, please subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Now, on to the show. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for coming back on the Healthy Charleston Podcast. It's been a while. Yes, it has. Good to be back. Good to be back. Can you tell me and our listeners what you do and introduce yourself? Yes. So I am Rachel Riley.
1: I'm a doctor of physical therapy and I run our Somerville office, primarily treating patients and really just focusing on providing a really positive experience for everybody that comes through the door. Uh, A lot of people that first come in are unsure, maybe a little afraid and really don't necessarily know what to expect. So I think the better I do my job, the safer they feel, the more encouraged they feel. um, And they're going to have a better chance of ultimately reaching their goals, which is really, really fun to get to celebrate with people.
0: Yeah. We were kind of talking about it a little earlier of like, On Instagram and social media, there's this idea of like be exclusive and like raise the barrier to entry. But like what it sounds like, it's like you really want to be inclusive and inviting and supportive. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I think it's hard enough to ask for help just like as a blanket statement. And I think physical therapy is inherently asking for help saying, I I can't do what I want to do. I can't, I'm not feeling how I want to feel. Probably those are overlapping and that's creating the problem. So I think it's, there are probably a lot of barriers just as humans to not want to ask for help, to feel like we should be able to do things on our own, or maybe feeling like if we can't do something on our own, it, it says something bad about us or our character. So definitely, I, my goal is to create an experience that acknowledges that, but then creates such a positive experience that everyone leaves the room feeling like, hi, like I really feel heard and understood and encouraged to pursue what we actually do believe is possible.
0: And that they feel empowered by going to physical therapy, not like, oh, because I'm in PT, it means something is wrong. It's like, no, because you're in PT, it means that you're putting yourself first. Yeah, I think that's a big thing that we
1: talk about a lot is we don't want to necessarily like nitpick flaws. I think that can feel like you're under a microscope. And I think we're all inherently a little bit self-conscious. So the last thing we want to do is make someone feel broken or like they have more flaws, uh, we know that everyone's unique, and there are many, many reasons why that's really advantageous to celebrate what makes us different and special in our own ways. Really incorporating that like makes it feel like a safe space. And then once you've kind of set that, that basis of you're here because you want something more than what you're experiencing right now and and praise the behavior of wanting more versus feeling like you're calling out, these are all the questions you got wrong on the test.
0: Oof. Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day who was a previous like professional athlete. And the way that he was describing that physical therapy is viewed in professional athletics is that you want to hide as much as you can your injury and your pain. And if you go to PT, you want to get out as fast as possible. Otherwise, coaches and teams look at you like there's something wrong with you. I don't want to bring you onto my team. And mm-hmm. so it's just this horrible cycle. People then aren't committed and they don't wanna be there and they're seen as it's something bad and then they don't ever get the help that they fully need. Mm -hmm. And it's for the goal of how fast can we get you back on the field versus Mm -hmm. can we help you thrive and be healthy and feel good? Mm -hmm. And I think when you
1: view it that second way, it's, it's less about diagnostic testing, what's the problem? It's more about how do we consistently create an environment and habits and routines that set you up to thrive. And when you view it that way, it doesn't feel like you got pulled into the principal's office for making a mistake. It feels like, wow, like I'm I'm finally in a room with someone who's hearing me and cares about what I want. And I think as human beings, like that's the number one desire is to be heard and understood and and cherished in some regard for what we want and what we're willing to enact upon our environment. So I think when you create that scenario, it's like, Whoa, like this is actually a really rare and I think powerful space to create. And I think it's really unclear what physical therapy is for many reasons, and that's probably a longer series of other podcasts. But I think that's that's why podcasts like this that take a little bit of a different view are, are really important. So hopefully you know, anybody listening to this who's had something they've been struggling with, whether it's related to physical therapy, maybe traditional like talk therapy, like just would encourage you to reach out for help. It's, it's okay to need help. We all need help. And, and that's, I think, part of being human.
0: It's pretty empowering to say like, I need help and I'm, I want to put myself first. Mm-hmm. So today we are talking about, and we're going to get into some semantics, but the concept of using progressive loading versus progressive overload. And the reason that we're talking about that is to help you set expectations in the gym and help you actually make long-term progress while decreasing your risk of setbacks and injury, which sounds great. Yeah. I, I want to learn that. note. right. Wait. Oh, wait, we're the ones wait. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um,
1: yeah. So kind of how this idea started, we all as a team listened to a podcast by Barbell Medicine and discussed it. And some of the, it it starts feeling like semantics, but I really, really think it's important for how we treat. And then especially for the expectations that our patients set and that get woven into their goals. Um, So we'll kind of break down what's different about those two terms. And then maybe most importantly, apply that into how we set and help guide expectations with our patients. Um, So maybe the The old school or kind of the more uh, traditional thought was progressive overload. You have to lift heavier first, work harder first, and then your body will adapt. So it was saying that effort drives the adaptation, which inherently means to continue driving that adaptation, you have to keep working harder. So that would be maybe classically what we think of as like linear periodization, I go up by a certain percentage or a certain poundage week to week. Uh, That's maybe the most simple, simplistic way to view it. There's certainly times where that can be appropriate uh, for beginners or somebody who's just trying to establish a general threshold. Like There might be some times that that can be applied, but if that is viewed as the only way or the only right way to view strength training, I would argue that's not truly setting yourself up for long-term success. One thing we really strongly believe about strength training is that it should be inaccessible, safe as far as the environment. Like you feel safe going to the environment that you're going to strength train in. You have regular access to it. and It's something that's taught and really encouraged throughout, I would say, the lifespan. Um, I think it's honestly like part of public health, uh, strength training is. So I think it's really important that it it's sustainable there's certainly different seasons or different goals that relate to different sports that right that would be its own view of you know the top of the the triangle of getting more specific into specific lifts like that might be a little bit different like for the purposes of this conversation it's mostly geared around like gpp general physical preparedness for majority of humans who want to feel confidently strong to interact in their everyday environments. So that being said, our first, you know, maybe old school way of thinking was that progressive overload. You have to work harder. You have to lift heavier to get stronger. And what the Barbell Medicine podcast, they did a really good job of saying, that's actually not quite what we believe now with more research it's really more of this progressive loading, which if you're thinking, well, she literally just said those words, they're very similar (laughs) words, but it's actually the difference is, it's pretty staggering when you really play it out over time. So with progressive loading, it's really saying that you work, you create this stimulus that your body adapts to, and then you get stronger. So the order the sequence of those is a little bit different. So that tells us we don't necessarily have to increase our weight week to week to get stronger. You could, hypothetically, as long as it's challenging enough, there are some caveats here. As long as it's challenging enough, if you did that same weight until it got easier and then went up a little bit, did that same weight until it got easier and then went up a little bit, you would be following more of the principle of progressive loading. You're seeing either, okay, I can do that same weight with less effort, or I can do a greater weight with the same effort the lighter weight initially required from me. Granted, they're normal, you know, day to day, week to week variations in how we feel, sleep, stress, nutrition, all of these factors. This is kind of like looking at a a month to month, maybe quarter to quarter view of these things. And I think it's really important about the progressive loading principle is saying, you don't have to crush yourself every session, every time you train to get stronger year to year. When we view it as more of a long game, there might actually be some very valid risks with continually, I like to call it, flying too close to the sun. If I'm, if you know that reference, obviously that you get it right away. But it's basically saying if you keep pushing, 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 you're going to do that until something happens. By default, something's going to happen, right? If I haven't gone for a run in a while and I'm saying, I'm going to see how far I can run today. I am inherently not going to stop until something stops me, if that's how I'm viewing it. So if I do that over and over and over again, that's very, I would say, expensive from a recovery standpoint. And it can also get really frustrating if I have an expectation of, oh, well, when I was, and this is gonna sound silly when I word it this way, but, oh, when I was, you know, running every day back in high school, which was not yesterday, I could do this, you know, 5K in this time. Well, I should be able to do that now. And then we test ourselves against that standard. And then if I fail, and then I keep telling myself, well, every day I'm just gonna run a little bit faster. Like, all right, 10 minute mile, next time it's you know, 9.45, then it's 9.30, and I just really hold myself to this, in that case, linear decrease on the, the slope of the time. At some point, something's probably gonna happen. I sleep like shit, I'm really tired, Whatever you want to say in this equation, like at some point as a human being, I'm going to deviate from that line. And if I think I should be able to follow that line and that deviation worries me and scares me and makes me think there's something wrong with me, that's, I think, the biggest con of viewing it as progressive overload. Because then I internalize that, well, dang, everybody else can do this, but I can't. Maybe I should just stop or maybe maybe I'm not good enough or there's something wrong with me that makes what should be the case not apply to me. And I think that's unfortunately how some of our patients come in the door of everyone else can do it or they make it look so easy on Instagram, but I can't do it. And I'm really worried like medically something's wrong with me. And I think sometimes maybe What's wrong is the understanding of the principles and the expectation of what that looks like on a given timeline, if that makes sense.
0: It's like your your strategy is inherently going to set you up for something to stop you because there is no stop other than I'm going to go until I stop. So it's like, well, then what do you expect or do you just expect, I mean, it would be amazing if every week I just added 10 pounds to my back squat. And I see a lot of people who they are new lifters or new CrossFitters or new runners. And so they're making a ton of progress because the stimulus is under their capacity or that threshold. And also they're getting better because of neurological adaptations and the skill of it and all of these reasons. And then they just boom, they like slam into a wall and they hit what well, Barbell Medicine calls them um, the pit of despair, the fatigue <laughs> pit of despair, which we thought was amazing. But they fly too close to the sun and they hit a plateau and then they start feeling aches and pains and injuries. And that's where like, I think people, especially like I see a lot of CrossFitters in their first year or two mm-hmm. and it always happens. And it's like, because they have just been constantly pushing and pushing for the adaptation that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point. Like initially... They call it like the newbie gains, right? You're completely new to something. So much of the, the strength that you can outwardly demonstrate is the neurological gains of how to sequence that movement, how to recruit different motor units, all of that stuff. So initially, like this may prove to feel true for a little while, but if when the slope of that line starts to decrease and it's less of a steep increase that you think it should be staying at that same faster rate of increase so you end up working harder, putting in two-a-days, doing all these things thinking that if you just worked harder, you would get more out of it. I think that's something that's pretty common that we see where it's kind of falling into that bucket of too much too soon, where their expectations of what they think they should be able to do they're not ready for that. Like Their system isn't ready to handle that. And that can feel really frustrating, especially if they've been taught, no pain, no gain, no days off, compete every day. I actually strongly disagree with all of those statements. I think it can be appropriate to train through some pain sometimes. I think days off, rest days are really, really important. And I think competing every day is not a healthy mindset for most of us. Um, so I think some of those phrases, like we've all heard them. We've all seen people wear T-shirts that say them. So there's some kind of mentality of only the strong can do this. Or you know what I mean? Where it's it makes you start to question, is there something wrong with me that makes me need rest days? Or wow, why can I not keep up with so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so? In the gym, or those kind of questions. I think we are often asked those in our sessions with our patients. Why can I not reach this level of success? And I think that's where we sometimes present an alternate view of what success or how we can define success. And I think that's where it really comes into expectations, which has a big role in goal setting. Because if we agree, and it's, it's probably never quite this tangible. If we agree, someone's like, all right, I just tested my one rep max back squat. It was 200 pounds in one month and say they've been training for a few years. And they're like, all right, I think I think I really just success to me is in this month hitting 300 pounds. Like At some point I would be doing them an incredible disservice. I'm like, for sure, let's do it. There's some point of kind of saying, okay, what what are the other factors in this environment defining success that's, that's also allowing for time? Human adaptation inherently takes time. We can't necessarily do this equivalent of three months of training and one month of training and have the same effect just from a recovery standpoint and probably many other standpoints as well. So I think it's setting that expectation. And when you really view it as the stimulus you recover from is what you adapt to, it makes it feel like it's not just about crushing yourself. And we are no strangers to hard work. We're not saying, oh, just go easy. But there's a certain point where doing more isn't actually getting you closer to where you want to go faster. And I think that understanding, once you understand that it changes everything there's reasons why like if you genuinely view what you're doing for movement as training then i feel strongly that you should work with a coach if some people if it's and there's nothing wrong with this either i like to move i love the social aspect i love i call it my recess time if you love that, there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe that's a setting where having some general programming is just fine and you, of course, scale and modify to your intention. But I think if you're really viewing yourself as in a season of training, you are doing yourself a disservice if your coach doesn't communicate these things to you. So I think that's something that we really prioritize is partnering with local coaches who really explain these principles. Um, I think it makes a huge difference about your kind of reactions to what happens in the gym, and then your expectations for the
0: long run. The Healthy Charleston Podcast is brought to you by Made to Move Physical Therapy. Made to Move Physical Therapy specializes in helping you get out of pain and get back to doing what you love. We offer relationship-oriented, one-on-one, individualized care to all of our clients, and we believe in putting the patient's needs first. If you'd like to work with me or any of our other physical therapists at Made to Move, check out the link in the show notes and get 10% off of your first session. We have locations throughout Charleston, Mount Pleasant, West Ashley, Somerville, and Daniel Island. Don't waste another day stuck in your pain. Follow the link and schedule an appointment today. Yeah. I think Jordan from Low Country Barbell explains this well when he talks about recovery, like recovery spoons. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of every week, you have so many spoons and every time you experience something that's stressful, you use a spoon. And so what people are doing when they're applying progressive overload, like the example that you said of, I'm just going to see how fast I can run today. I'm going to see how far I can run. I'm going to see how heavy I can lift. And you're doing that over and over and over again. You're always using your maximum amount of spoons and you're always hitting that maximal recoverable volume in the best case scenario You're probably actually overreaching constantly Mm -hmm. and then not actually realizing that, oh, you don't actually have enough spoons for that. Mm -hmm. You actually don't have the gas in your tank for that. You're running yourself into the ground. And so many people think that it needs to crush you to make you better, but it crushing you is actually hindering your progress. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think
1: when patients come in to see us, they're probably in the majority of one of two camps, they're either in the overreaching slash overtraining, too much too soon, flying too close to the sun, any analogy you want to insert there. Fatigue all, bit of despair. Yeah, fatigue bit of despair, all of that. Or they've gotten to a point where they're actually quite deconditioned and they haven't been doing much recently. Either way, shaping their expectations of the next step, I think includes this principle. Like I think the the principle, maybe it's a little bit different, applied differently in either one, but I think it's fundamentally the same thing of saying what's in the, the cup right now? How do we make that cup bigger over time? And I think when you view it that way, it does start to create this expectation that this is not a quick fix. This is not a sprint to the finish line. This might be the longest race you've ever ran.
0: It's life. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So someone comes to you and and they have been doing too much too soon they've been doing two days or even you know it doesn't even have to look like two a days it's just you know constantly applying this principle of progressive overload like I, I had a patient who every time he lifted he would add weight or he would do more and then he was feeling all of these pains and aches and he was getting nervous sy- symptoms and like he was having a lot of sensitivity and then he was getting injured and when we programmed for him, it was, we're going to stay at this weight until you don't get that response. Mm-hmm. We're going to find a weight that doesn't provoke that response, but you, you know, we provoke a response that we're okay with. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to stay there. And it was the first time that he actually felt good and made progress. Mm-hmm. And so when people come to you feeling like that, you know, progressive overload, what's the process to help them get out of the fatigue pit of despair? Mm-hmm. So typically, and of course it always
1: varies case to case, we'll look at the whole landscape. What is life like right now? What is work like? What is exercise slash training like? How are you sleeping? Are you sleeping first off? I hope so. Um, kind of where are you at with nutrition? What are your thoughts about your, maybe your relationship with food? What outlets do you currently have? How frequently are you practicing those and enjoying those and kind of just get an idea of like the general landscape Um, and then digging into like what they really want. I think what's really, really valuable is when you can get to like a core desire, like somebody I was talking with yesterday, her like core desire for building a healthy lifestyle was so she could be around for her daughter. And then when her daughter has grandkids, she wants to be able to play with them and be active and not have to worry about her health or if she's physically able to do what she wants to do. So when you get to that point, it's really powerful because we sometimes talk about like, oh, you know, motivation, but some days you're not gonna feel like doing anything. But if you have a plan that you trust and you see that it's in line with what you really want, most of us are more likely to do that even we don't feel like doing it. I think in life there's so many times you have to do things you don't want to do to get things that you really want, but the answer is just not yet. So it's just metaphorically like putting money in the piggy bank that you don't get to use yet. So when you really find that core belief or multiple beliefs that those statements like that's not a variable statement. That's not a sometimes I feel like I want to be able to play with my grandkids. Like that is a I genuinely want this like fervently. That's not going to wax and wane. So when you have an idea of the general landscape and what this person like truly, truly wants, then you can start to say, hey, this is why it's important. And this is one thing that you can do to start making progress towards shifting the landscape to get it to look closer to how you want it to look. So a lot of that is creating that that buy-in of, First off, I, I understand what you're saying and I hear what's important to you. And I have the ability to communicate why what I'm recommending will help you or has a very high probability of helping you get closer to what you want. So when you hear that, it's like, well, okay, like that that sounds great, right? But but what does that mean? A lot of the times it is our you know, patients initially are experiencing some sort of pain or symptoms. So typically the first step is calming that down. We need to metaphorically, you know, take some water out of an overflowing cup. We need to calm things down. And when we do that, it creates some wiggle room. If we say, hey, you're carrying all the groceries in one trip. You physically can't carry anything else, but here's this giant inflated basketball that I'm going to want you to carry. That's like, well, that's great, but I really just – not at this time. I just can't carry anything else. So we really try not to just make it feel like there's one more thing they have to do. I think as a general statement, this is – Americans, we do a lot of things and we feel like there's a lot of value in being busy. So if we take a busy person who's already struggling to recover from everything they expect they should be able to do and give them another set of heavy expectations, like where do we think that's going to go? So sometimes it is kind of that dance of where can you show yourself more grace? And what are the non-negotiables? Like what are the things we're not okay with sacrificing? And what are the areas of life that maybe we can account for it being a stressful season and we can adjust our expectations in a way that, that allow us for a little bit more grace. So I think it's, it's a mix of that, of where can we get a little bit of wiggle room? Sometimes that's maybe just a really fancy way of saying a deload, but instead of just a training deload, it's a little bit of a life deload of where can we find a place to breathe? Where can we have some more down regulation? Where can we expect a little bit less of ourselves for a certain amount of time to allow our, our systems to calm down and heal. So then we can start working a plan that that probably has a little bit more intention to it. I think when you view it that way, it's not, oh, well, you don't have to work hard. It's, it's not that at all. Sometimes, and I truly think that giving yourself grace sometimes is the hardest thing because it's a little bit invisible you feel sometimes like you're letting yourself down or you should be able to do more so i think many of us for probably societal reasons struggle with that giving yourself grace letting things calm down and then once we've you know seen some ways or some some parts of the experience that indicate you know maybe sleep is improving maybe general like stress throughout the day is is at a lower level Maybe it's just general excitement of, okay, I like, I'm feeling like I'm able to take a little bit more on. That's very subjective, but it has to be. At that point, then we start figuring out what the next step is. I'll typically in this situation, I would prefer to undershoot a little bit than overshoot. Because if we say, hey, you know how you stub your toe? Like, let's just see if it still hurts if we stub it again. Again, setting ourselves up for potential failure. Um, if that really scares us to stub our toe. So it's creating a scenario where we're really working on things that are challenging, but through kind of the parameters of expectations, timing throughout a week, understanding other stressors, volume management, all of those parameters. It's not close to what was too much too soon. And then we really promote consistency and say, all right, let's make this feel really, really doable for you at this time in the season of your life. And then let that play out until we can add a little bit more. And a lot of this is definitely, definitely related to the patient's feedback, which is a huge part of what we do: is communicating to figure out, okay, are we in a place where we can take on a little bit more? And then at that point, it's just continually adjusting and making it very understandable that we don't have to go up every week. We probably won't go up every week. Some weeks we'll even modify and change things or. Goals will change, like making it feel really fluid and flexible, because for most of us, it it needs to be when we've been in a season of too much too soon, giving it that kind of relationship of we have to feel this out together, I think is the opposite of making a super rigid plan that has to go up by X amount every time interval that doesn't really allow for life. And the majority of the patients that I treat are not professional athletes. Most of us, myself included, have a day job. Most of us have a family, this close relationships. Day <laughs> yeah, this is actually, yeah, it's just that. Clock in, clock out. Right. right. But you know what I mean. It's it's not the only part of our identity that's important to us. So when we say, hey, let's make sure that we're we're thriving in these other realms that are also important
0: to us, it can build a really robust human, which is cool. So first step is someone's coming to you and they're like, holding out a glass and it's just like constantly overflowing. And they're like, can you put some more water in? <laughs> and you're like, no, we need to take some water out. So first step is overall, I don't want to say taking a step back because I actually think this step is a, is taking a step forward. Mm-hmm. But zooming out to figure out like where can we take some water that's overflowing and decrease the water that's in your cup? Like how can I take a bag away from you? And mm-hmm. why do you think that you need to be carrying all these bags at one time? There's probably a lot to be said about that part. And then it sounds like after that, it's really individualizing the stress and the stimulus and the dosage that we just, that we keep talking about based on what they need to adapt and what their capabilities are and their goals and what is going on in their life. Because progressive overload, like you said, doesn't account for life. It doesn't allow us to be humans who have all these other things going on or you know we're not as jordan says living in a bulgarian training hall like we're we all have other things going on and so the stimulus always needs to adapt and be based on that person's feedback Mm -hmm. and it's not just like oh you did this this week you have to do this next week it's like well how did you feel how did you recover how did you respond how did that go what are other ways How do you help people make progress in the gym? And what does that progress look like? Hmm. Again, I think it's how
1: we define progress. I think for some of my patients, depending on kind of where they are in their journey, sometimes progress feels like not comparing themselves to other people. I think that often comes out of these conversations of like, hey, I'm in there for me. Like once we find those core beliefs that are, unwavering and unchangeable, it doesn't matter who's next to you. It doesn't matter how much they have put on the bar, how fast they're going. And there's certain times where we choose an environment where we're going to be, you know, pushed and encouraged to work hard. But there's certainly times where those, you know, points of comparison don't serve us well. So I think sometimes that's a really, really valuable way or indicator of progress because that that individual who's no longer comparing themselves or comparing themselves less frequently or not letting that comparison guide their decisions, I think they're more likely to make progress towards what's important to them versus continually chasing someone who may have very, very different life circumstances or even very different goals. That's a big thing whenever I'm interacting with a patient and they make a statement about that. like That's definitely something I kind of stop and like, I think this is really worth celebrating. I think maybe the most traditional views of progress fall in that kind of PR camp. I think those are phenomenal. I think PRs are a great way to build confidence and they're a great metric for, oh, this feels like it's working because I have a tangible way to view my progress. I think PRs can be really, really valuable. I think there's a lot of other non weight-based or time-based or volume-based measures that really do create a more nuanced view of what progress is. I also think training consistently, I think sometimes that gets a little overlooked. If you're able to continually show up, put in the work, and do the other things that are important to you in life, sleeping well, you're investing in important relationships, you have other outlets, you have a nuanced identity, like those kind of measures of what I would say our progress, I think are a little harder to measure, but when those things feel more and more true for that individual, I think I would definitely call
0: that progress. Yeah. I think an amazing goal is being consistent, training, strength training, participating in fitness, whatever that looks like for you, setting a goal of I am going to do this, this amount per mm-hmm. week, and I am just going to be consistent in that because there are so many other factors in our lives that are going to change that. Like you said, I think a PR is kind of fleeting. Like, I think it's amazing, but if we're only feeling successful or accomplished because the weight that we lifted on that day at that time went up, like, what if you did it the next week and you you couldn't do it? Does that mean you didn't make progress? And I think it's a it's a really cool thing to see, but it's like, I use this analogy a lot, like, Hitting a PR is like, oh, the ice started melting. Mm -hmm. But it's like, well, what was happening between 26 and 32? Mm -hmm. So much progress was being made. And that's why I think we really like to focus on process goals. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's great to have an outcome goal, but you're not just going to hit it. It's not just going to happen. We need process goals and we need other ways of measuring success. And if you're listening to this, it's 2023. It's probably very newly 2023. And so Rachel, like how can people set themselves up for success, whether it's goals, whether it's resolutions, whatever you want to call it. I think everyone gets this little spirit of, and I kind of like it, of like new year. Like what do I want to accomplish this year? How can people set themselves up for success in the new year? I think a big part of that can be viewing how
1: you word your goal is more of an outcome goal and a consistency-based goal. And I think there's maybe a little bit of a stigma about, oh, you know, all these people join the gym in January and then they're gone by February. There's probably a lot of reasons why there are examples that makes that statement true in some regards. People, A lot of people have probably like a very positive intention, but then they either come out way too hot or they have an expectation that It wasn't the next step for them. So that's one big thing I like to think about. If we're standing at the bottom of the staircase and what we really, 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 really want is at the top of the staircase, I'm not going to expect to jump up 14 stairs to the top of the flight. That just seems kind of silly, right, when we say it that way. But if I just think about literally what's the next step or the first thing that I do, to get on the path towards what I want, a lot of that is delayed gratification and understanding that it has to be sustainable to really see and feel and experience the changes that you really want. So I'm a big fan of creating, again, kind of an environment around movement, around health that that keeps people coming back. I think for, for many of us that can be a social aspect whether that's as simple as, hey, the people at the front desk are really nice to me at the gym and, and that that kind of makes me feel welcome there or I really love my coach or my training partner or the people that I work out with. I think that we're social creatures and a, and a big part of that is interacting with people who are on a similar journey. So that's a big thing that I typically encourage, whether that's, you know, what exact setting that, that works like for them or looks like for them. Some people like to move or exercise or train alone. Nothing wrong with that but there's a reason why they crave that alone time. So it's viewing the continual pursuit of health as something that can be enjoyable and knowing that you're not going to get or reach your big goals tomorrow, next month. But if the process has enough enjoyable aspects, you're okay with it taking a while. And I think Anything that is in the realm of something our our systems adapt to, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be effortful. That's kind of the whole point. But having those other aspects that also make it really enjoyable, whether it's just you love the music or it's your time out of the house away from your kids or it's something that you're really proud of yourself for doing and you're sharing that with your friends and your family I think adding those layers to it encourage consistency. So for a lot of people that might be group fitness or the accountability of a coach or a trainer, some aspect of that I, I do think lends itself to consistency because we know adaptations take time and you might as well make it as enjoyable of a process so
0: that you stay consistent. Adaptations take time and they also take consistency because I could back squat today, but if I never do it again, I'm definitely not going to get better. I think in the in the new year or or whatever it is that sparks you to kind of create new goals, whatever your outcome goal or big goal may be, figure out process goals and figure out steps to take towards that goal and break that down even further into how can you be consistent in meeting those process goals or those action steps and I think, like you said, like the new year kind of gets a bad rap of like, Oh, all these people are going to join the gym and then they're going to quit. And like you said, like they have great intentions and they just probably go too hard and go too fast. Like there's a reason that they aren't going to the gym right now, or they weren't going to the gym last month because it's going to be a big change. And then they try to make this big change without really fitting it into their life. And also, I think you said, and into their, their personal why and, I think finding a way to be sustainable. And I think if you're someone who is planning on joining a gym or you want to improve your health in the new year, one of the number one ways to do that is to find a community, a supportive community, and to set realistic, sustainable goals. And like, don't feel bad that you're like waiting till the new year to do this. Like, Sometimes we need that motivation and like, go you. And I think if you're someone who maybe works in a gym or health and fitness, like welcome those people and help them make this a lifelong commitment, not just something that they go really hard in for three or four weeks and then they drop off. We want this to be a lifelong priority. And so on that note, what are you trying to change, accomplish, improve, focus on in 2023, Rachel? Oof. Um. You haven't thought about it yet? Come on. Mm. It's okay. You have
1: time. <laughs> no. I've kind of just been in a season where it's looked more like working out versus training, and I've, I've really enjoyed that. A uh, big part of what I enjoy about group fitness is, like I said, kind of like the recess. Talk a little shit, make a joke. You know, it, it's just a really fun way to interact with people who generally have a lot of the same interests and in, in goals. Um, As far as they want to be healthy, they want to move, they want to, you know, kind of gradually get fitter over time. Um, So that definitely is different than specifically training for a specific bundle of adaptations. So that's definitely something that I'm kind of dancing back and forth between just looking at it through the lens of like general life stressors. Like one of my biggest things that I, I don't want is I don't want to ever feel like I'm resenting the demands of my fitness. I want to either enjoy the process of what I'm working towards or enjoy the majority of the moments that comprise that process. So for me, I think it's it's probably going to be continuing to just have fun, move in various ways, generally feel like I'm enjoying consistent movement and fitness. And I think for me right now, like I think that's enough. And there's some convincing of myself to say, I think that's enough because I think the way we hear it sometimes is if you're not training, you're not getting better. If training's the goal, then yes, you should train to get better at the thing you're training for. But I think it's also okay to just have generally, I want to get eight to 12,000 steps on average every day, except Sunday. Sunday is a day for the zero. zero. <laughs> right. Sunday is actually a negative number, which is <laughs> I walk backwards. But yeah, just having these like general, really, really sustainable. GPP background. So if there's something I want to do, Hey, we're going to go paddleboarding, or, Hey, we're going to go hiking or whatever that is that I have the capacity to do that and enjoy it and have a conversation and, and feel safe doing it.
0: Like, I think that's kind of where I'm at in this season. Yeah. So many people want to work out and want to strength train so that they can be capable and confident in their everyday lives. So that they don't have to say no. So that you can, oh yeah, like let's go on that hike. Let's go walk the bridge. Let's go on that run. Let's do this fun workout. Let's go paddleboard. There's such a freedom that comes with feeling and being physically and mentally capable and confident. Like you said, I can pick that up or like I can carry that and not being unsure of yourself. But I think that's a, a huge that training and whatever you want to call it, exercise, working out, fitness, strength, training, does for you is it, I mean, ultimately, like it makes your life easier and it makes you have more opportunities. And so I think you said it before, like approaching this from not just like, oh, I think that I should do this. And so I'm going to do this, but really like what's your why? And it's, you're always going to be more committed and more motivated when it's this deep core desire, this deep why, and not just like, oh, I think I should go to the gym. Let me go to the gym. No, I want to be physically capable. I want my body to be the reason that I can say yes. I want to play with my grandkids. And I think so many of our patients have those really strong whys and it's a huge reason that they make so much progress. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. I think that's, kind of what it all comes down to when we talk about like, what is progress or define your terms. I think a lot of times we talk about strength training. It's classically defined as, you know, these rep maxes increase. I think a lot of it, like yes, there' general principles, like there has to be some kind of progression. There has to be an allowance for recovery. Like it can't be so random that you're, you're missing that. But I think within general, you know, desires, a lot of people can get a lot out of two to three days of strength training and maybe it's 45 minutes to an hour. Like it it doesn't have to be every day. Maybe it shouldn't be every day. So I think kind of setting that expectation that every little bit counts helps versus the zero or a hundred mindset. And I think a big, big part of how we build self-efficacy is creating a plan that, that we can reasonably stick to. So I think if you set that expectation or that plan is so such a steep hill to climb that you're not able to climb it. It can actually backfire and possibly have the opposite effect that you want. Of, well, I'm just not cut out for the gym. The gym's just not for me. Or wish I was one of those people who just loved going to the gym. Or, you know, we've all heard these statements. And those of us who enjoy, like you said, exercise training, movement, blah, blah, whatever word you want to call it, you've built some layer of self-efficacy of I know what I can reasonably expect myself to be able to do with you know, day-to-day, week-to-week uh, variability, but, Like you kind of have an idea of what you're prepared for within reason. And I think that gives us a lot of confidence to say, I can pick that up or I can carry this or sure, I'll I'll, I'll do that activity with you. And I think what a lot of our patients are maybe missing out on is that experience of true like confidence and like feeling like they have a really good, strong sense of their self-efficacy. And I think strength training is a phenomenal way to build that there's, there's nothing that quite feels the same as when there's a weight or a, a volume or a task that you don't quite know if you can do, but you've worked on it consistently. You've, you've trusted the plan. You trust the, the person providing you with the plan. And then you're able to do it. And it doesn't mean that it's not scary. It's probably going to be a little scary. But the way that you feel what you experience after doing that, I think you remember forever. And yeah, sure, we can't all hit our one rep max every day, nor probably should we be trying. But that experience of like, I can do hard things like that was hard, but I did it that carries over to every aspect of life. And I think that's one piece that's really, really valuable about strength training. Not only are you building muscle mass, improving bone density, connective tissues, getting more durable, whatever you want to call and like maybe a more tissue capacity standpoint, like those building the things that are building self-efficacy, that confidence. Like I think that is monumental, just as important if not more important than the physical changes that your body will go through. And I think that's so many of us, we want to win. Like we want somewhere where we feel like we're doing something that's good for us and that's empowering. And I think hopefully there's different aspects of our lives that we can get that. I think training and fitness can be a really, really powerful form of that if we have a quality plan and if we have expectations that really serve us. And I think that's kind of full circle back to progressive overload versus progressive loading. Sounds like somebody just scrambled the same letters in a different order, which kind of did. But I think it's really gearing it towards that expectation of, are we allowing the body time to adapt? So this is sustainable. So this is overall enjoyable so that you get to build that confidence and self-efficacy that quote unquote failing Going too hard in the paint, flying too close to the sun, trying to go from zero days a week to seven days a week actually has the opposite effect. So I feel strongly that your expectations and understanding of of what's realistic is vital to defining success and progress because otherwise these things could have actually the opposite effect from what they're intended to
0: be. So to recap, like in simple terms, the weight has to get harder for you to get stronger. The weight has to change and then you adapt. However, what actually happens is progressive loading is that because you adapt, you now need a stronger stimulus to continue to adapt. It's that you apply the stimulus and then you adapt and then you can apply more stimulus. It's not that the stimulus has to get harder for you to adapt Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you adapt first which is why like staying at the same weight for a while you you make progress because your body gets more used to it because you adapt and then when you go up or you increase whatever the parameter is you're prepared for that and you're less likely to probably run into the fatigue pit of despair or, or setbacks or injury so if for anyone listening to this if you are looking for a gym, if you're looking for strength training, if you're looking to start that, there are so many amazing places in the Charleston and Somerville areas, like reach out DM message, and we will gladly point you in the right direction and help you along that journey. We want to be a resource for y'all. And then Rachel, where can people find you and how can people start working with you?
1: You can find me at 3507 Iron Horse Road, building 300 <laughs> during working hours. If that's on Sundays, that's on the couch. Definitely not Sundays or Saturdays or Friday afternoons sometimes. Great. Um, <laughs> limited hours. No, the limited best availability. way is to... I don't know. I don't have our phone number memorized.
0: You don't have our phone number memorized? No, that's kind of a problem. It's okay.
1: The best way is to, you can look at made to move PT.com and then you can shoot us a contact us request form. If you want to follow me personally on Instagram, you can, but you really don't have to. It's basically just pizza and back squats, but that's all that really matters. <laughs> that's all that really matters. Awesome. Thank you, Rachel. This has been great.
0: To connect with Rachel, those links are in the show notes below. Otherwise, please subscribe to the show. New episodes are out every Monday. Happy 2023 Charleston, have an awesome week.